As a young person, I remember people talking about he has a call of God on his life. I had no idea what they were talking about. How can there be a call of God on anyone's life? I was not born again at that time. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about Jesus putting ministers into the church from heaven. From heaven, he appointed New Testament ministers for the church today. It tells us what these ministers are. It calls them gifts to the church. These ministers are gifts from God, from Jesus, to today's church. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Start at verse 8. Wherefore he, Jesus, saith, when he ascended upon high, after the crucifixion, 2,000 years ago, when he was raised from the dead, taken into heaven, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. In verse 11, it tells what those gifts that Jesus gave are. And he, Jesus, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. From heaven, Jesus gave gifts to the church. He gave some apostles, multiple apostles, not just one apostle, apostles, some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, how did he do this? When he walked on the earth in the form of a man, he called 12 men to be his apostles. He said, follow me, and they just got up from what they were doing and followed Jesus. He died on a cross for our sins. He was raised by God from the dead, taken back into heaven. That was 2,000 years ago. Where did we get these ministers today? For the past 2,000 years. Where did we get them? How do we have them? The example we look at is the Apostle Paul. At the time Jesus called Paul to the ministry, his name was Saul. At the time Jesus called Paul, Paul was persecuting the church, catching the followers of Jesus, taking them to the high priest 
consenting to their death when they were killed, putting them in prison. This was what Paul was doing at the time Jesus called him to be a minister. Acts chapter 9. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Paul heard a voice from heaven. We who are called of God are the same, exactly the same. We simply hear from God, from heaven, usually in the form of a thought coming into our mind. When I was born again, I was reading a book about sin, and just all of a sudden, these words came into my mind. Joan, you know those mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. I said, oh, sins? I thought they were mistakes. I was born again at that second. Changed, completely changed from the person I had been before. I was approximately 37 years old at the time I was born again. I thought I was a Christian. I had gone forth at Church of Christ and was baptized in water. But my life did not change, not a bit. That was when I was 15. I was simply pursuing my own personal preferences on this earth for the next, what, 15, 20 years. But when God spoke to me on August the 5th, 1975, I was completely changed. I was so different that in my business, I owned a business at the time in Dallas, and in my business, I would say something to someone and I didn't even recognize my own voice. It was so different. Everything was so different about me. A woman came in one day who had known me before I was born again. And now that I'm born again, she said to me, Well, I believe we've really seen a conversion in you because you're so different. You're completely different. I was. I had a very traumatic change. 
So did Paul. He had been out there killing the Christians, capturing them. He didn't, I think, kill them personally, but he consented to their deaths. He put them in prison, and the Jews, the leaders of the Jewish people, killed many of them that Paul took and put in prison. And at the time Jesus called him, he was out on the road to Damascus trying to catch more of them to put them in prison. The disciples at first were just terrified about Paul. They didn't believe that this had happened. They thought it was a trick that he was trying to get in like a spy to catch them, to take them to prison so they could be killed. And they were very suspicious of Paul. Let's continue reading in Acts chapter 9 for a minute because there is a man named Ananias that God is going to send to Paul. Verse 10, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias, coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. After Jesus spoke to Paul, he was blind. He couldn't see. And for three days, he couldn't see. So God is sending Ananias to put his hands on Paul so he can receive his sight. Verse 13, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. Verse 15, But the Lord said unto Ananias, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and rose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. 
He didn't hesitate. He just went out preaching Jesus. Why? Because now God is in Saul. God is in Paul. In each of us who have been born again, God is in us. Pam Paget has the most interesting story about being born again. She was a teenager at that time. One of her classmates was killed on a motorcycle. She didn't realize until then that someone her age could die. She had been raised Catholic, had been in the Catholic Church all her life, but somehow she knew the Catholic Church would not save her and she could not be saved by doing the things that they told her to do. So she began to cry out to God. But the fun part of the story is she knew from the Catholic Church there was God the Father, there was Jesus, and there was the Holy Spirit. But she didn't know which one to pray to. So she said, will you please get this prayer to the right one? If there's any way you can save me, please save me. That was her prayer. That was what she prayed. After she prayed that, she realized something of God was in her. But she didn't know what it was. But it was something of God. And for years, she continued in the Catholic Church, but there was something of God in her. One day she was reading the Bible and saw 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Paul says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? And then she knew what it was that was in her. It was the Spirit of God. We also read this same concept in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not of your own? God is in us when we are born again. We are sealed with the Spirit of God. God is in us. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I attended a luncheon at Texas Tech University when I lived in Lubbock, Texas. It's on the sixth floor of some building downtown Lubbock. Across the street from it was the First Methodist Church building. And we could see out the window First Methodist Church. A woman sitting at the table where I was said, That's my church, and pointed out the window. I said, We are the church. She was just thunderstruck. She looked at me and said, I'm not the church, that's the church, and pointed at the Methodist Church building. I said, we are the church. She said, I'm not a church. She says, I'm a church. I'm not a church. Well, I really didn't mean she was the church. She probably wasn't the church, but I am because the Spirit of God dwells in me. Now, I wasn't to church when I was 15 years old and went forward and was baptized in water. I wasn't to church because I didn't have the Spirit of God. Everything has to do 
with being changed by God, chosen by God, and having the Spirit of God. These preachers that give all these invitations to come forward and be saved, we're not saved by our own will. We are saved because God reaches us at that moment. I was en route to uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico on a business trip when I owned my business. My cousin was meeting me at the airplane, and as the plane landed, I heard these words, be baptized. So I told my cousin, if you can set it up at church this afternoon, I'll be baptized. She said to me, but you've already been baptized. I said, yes, but I wasn't born again then. Now I'm born again, and I hear from God to be baptized. I'm sure she didn't understand being born again. She had been taken to church as a baby and was spent her whole life in Church of Christ attending church. She said, well, okay. So that afternoon, after I finished buying the merchandise for my business, before my plane went back to Dallas, where I lived, we went to this Church of Christ building, and about 15 of my relatives had gathered there. I was really surprised. The minister said to me, would you like to say anything? I said, oh, okay. So I just started talking as I was reminded by the Holy Spirit. I just talked about being born again and how I was baptized when I was 15, but I wasn't born again, and how the Holy Spirit told me as the plane was landing, be baptized. So now I was here to be baptized. My uncle was crying. I also noticed one of my cousins was shaking her head up and down. She understood about being born again. The minister took me up to the baptism area and lowered me into the water, and the Holy Spirit said to me, This is like being buried with Christ. As I came out of the water, the Holy Spirit said, This is like being raised with Christ. When I went back down into the auditorium, my uncle came to me, and by the way, he had tears in his eyes still, and he said, I have never heard anything like you spoke today. Could you write that out for me and send it to me? And I said, well, yeah, I guess so. So when I got back to Dallas, I wrote those things out that I had said and sent it to him. I never thought much about it. Later, I realized at the moment I spoke those things at that Church of Christ building before I was baptized, my uncle was born again. There's a passage of Scripture where Jesus sent his disciples forward and said, and you will see signs following. Signs following. When we obey what God has told us by the Spirit of God, signs do follow. So basically, as we go forth, we simply speak what the Holy Spirit brings to our mind. He does the work. One thing we really have to understand is some are being saved and some are being destroyed. And we don't know which are which. We don't need to know. All we need to do 
is if we are reminded of something by the Holy Spirit, speak that word. Give that example. God will do the work whether the person is being saved or whether the person is being destroyed. Don't try to keep from offending people. Speak. When you are with them, speak that which the Holy Spirit gives you, for that does the work of God. There is another accounting of Paul and this salvation on the road to Damascus. It's a little more detailed than Acts chapter 9. It is in Acts 26. Paul is being held in prison to be judged. King Agrippa comes to the city where Paul is in prison, and Paul has the opportunity to speak to King Agrippa. And that is told us in Acts 26. In verse 2, Paul says, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because... I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently." My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify, that after the most sacred sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself, that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them off in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me 
and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I now send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Paul was not the last apostle. The last apostle was Matthias, Acts chapter 1. They drew lots to see who would replace Judas Iscariot. And the lot fell upon Matthias. At the time they were doing this, Paul was persecuting the Christians. So where does Paul fit? He wasn't the last apostle. He fits in Ephesians chapter 4. He was one of those called from heaven by Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8. Jesus says, When he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Verses 11-12. And he, Jesus, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. If you are a minister of Jesus, you are called by Jesus and appointed to that ministry office. You might have more, more than one office. I am appointed apostle prophet. I've been told many times you cannot be an apostle, and I've been told many times you cannot be a prophet. I just went right ahead doing the things that God showed me to do. He gave to the church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. If you are one of the ones called by God to the ministry, it is Jesus who teaches you. I've had so many ministers from around the world want me to be their supervisor, their mentor. I've never done that. I've always told them, no, if you are of God, and if Jesus has called you to the ministry, he teaches you. Now, most of them go to Bible college. And the ones that I've met, I don't even believe they're born again. They never have anything to say that's from God. 
They never tell me anything that God has done in their life. They just say they're a pastor. One of them said he was a pastor and later said he was an evangelist. And I do find that most of them don't know anything about these offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. It's Jesus who teaches us what we do in those offices. I can give you an abbreviated version of apostle, prophet. Apostle basically deals in church doctrine. I'm constantly talking about doctrine that's in the Bible, what the Bible says about divorce, remarriage, what the Bible says about homosexuals and lesbians. I'm constantly quoting the Bible. Why? Because the churches have gotten so far away from Scripture today, they have changed the rules to suit themselves. And an apostle is always trying to get the individual to do the doctrines of Christ as stated by the New Testament Bible. Prophet is defined quite easily. By a prophet the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet was he preserved. Very often God will show prophets something that someone is doing that is not the right way to go. The prophet will speak to that individual to give him an opportunity to go in the right way, getting free from traps and staying free from traps. Those are the simplest terms to define the two offices to which I'm called. I have often asked these ministers to tell me what they do as a pastor. I've never found one yet who could tell me. They're just bewildered by my question. If you are called by Jesus, Jesus teaches you what to do in that calling. But I found that most ministers or men who say they're ministers, most of them don't know anything at all about apostle or prophet. They might say they're an evangelist and they might say they're a pastor teacher. But even when I've asked them, what does a pastor do? What does God have you do? They can't answer me. It's my opinion that mostly they just copy other men and do what they see them do. But the ones who are really of God, they're like Paul. They're like me. God spoke to us from heaven to tell us what to do. And we're instructed constantly concerning what to do, what to say, what to do. And we are led by the Holy Spirit and we speak and do those things that the Holy Spirit of God shows us to speak and to do at that specific point in time. And that's what a real minister of Jesus does. Thank you for allowing me to share this with you.